Hi, this is Paul, and you're listening to a special mini session from our Next Up event that we hosted during the Arroyo Seco Weekend Music Festival in Pasadena, California. In this episode, we speak with Alex Dom, production manager at Golden Voice, the company behind huge music festivals such as Coachella, Desert Trip, and Arroyo Seco Weekend. We talked to Alex about his studies at SciArc and how he applies his architectural skills to his current job designing venues and site plans for Golden Voice's massive music events. All right. Well, we're here with Alex Dom. Welcome. Thanks for having me. He is the kind of a, um, you've got a very wide job description here. You are the planner. You, you oversee the development of the, the, the structures. You work with the, the planning department, I believe, and uh, inspectors. Maybe you can describe your job a little more clearly, but your employer is Golden Voice. Yeah. So my, my official title is a production manager, but that, as you said, is very wide ranging as to what that implies. So my, my primary task is working with some of the, the other production crew and determining the best placement for things like stages or beer gardens merch stands, bathrooms, and really trying to work that out, flesh that out with the site plan. And obviously, because within the festival world, not everybody is technically savvy. Not everybody is good at reading drawings, 2D plans, and, and such. A lot of times that that will require me to make things like 3D renderings, 3D prints, models, mock-ups, just to give people a better idea as to what the, the the venue layout will eventually look like. So going back a few years, you studied architecture. Mm-hmm. You went to SciArc and uh, you graduated uh, about four years ago? 2013, yes. Twenty. Okay. So what's your path been like since uh, graduating from architecture school to working for Golden Voice? Maybe slightly non-traditional, which I actually kind of like. And for me personally, I, I didn't have a lot of opportunities in undergrad or even right after I finished my undergraduate program to work entry-level architecture jobs. So I found myself working other creative gigs and trying to apply my skills in other ways. And so right out of grad school, I worked for Cliff Garten, worked on fabrication drawings and 3D modeling for, for a lot of his projects for about two years. And toward the end of my, my work there, I, I felt like I wanted to scale up and I wanted to work on more ambitious projects projects with larger budgets, maybe more at stake. So the festival world is maybe not the first thing you would think of, but I found that there was a, a unique a unique need for somebody with my skill set and my background to, to start working in a, in a festival-type setting. What are those skills that you brought from architecture to this job? It's really just an expertise on how to draw and develop site plans, how to... 3D model something to produce drawings for engineering sets to submit to the city, working with a surveyor to create as-built drawings of the site or to take a drawing that I've produced to to plot it out on the site at real scale. Because traditionally, in in the festival world, what most people will do is they'll develop a, a, a pretty crude site plan that might not even be measured, might not even have any real scale to it. And then they'll go out with 300-foot tape measures. They'll create right angle, uh, right triangles, 30, 40, 50 triangles to set corners for tents and stages and such like that and things like that. But for the most part, they don't have any 
any kind of technical drawing that they're working from. So as shows get larger and larger and more complex, artwork becomes bigger and these projects just become kind of unmanageable at a certain point. You need somebody that has some kind of technical skills that can actually sit and meet with somebody, for instance, in the artist relations department and figure out how many parking spaces an artist needs and you know but maybe the artist needs their own little separate compound so that's outside of the the main artist parking so you're really developing these mini worlds within a larger world of the festival and it's like having 20 different clients or you know 10 different subcontractors that you're working with and you really have to think about the problem from many different ways there's there's no real overarching principles that that guide the the development of the festival like for instance geometry might or or some other kind of some other kind of architectural principles it really has a lot more to do with the logistics of how you're bringing everything in how you're taking it all down how people are coming in and out of the festival whether that's shuttles whether that's parking for something like coachella where are they camping uh, how many people are camping how many people are taking shuttles how many people are taking an uber it, it all has a lot to do with the real nuts and bolts rather than some kind of, let's say, kind of like grandiose design scheme. It's much more about pragmatism, I think, and, and the reality of how people flow through a space, wayfinding, signage. All of these things are very, very important to make something with such a complicated program like a festival work. So it almost seems like a fast track to learning how architecture and planning works because you're given such a short amount of time to develop these solutions with results apparent immediately. Yeah, and to your point, we spend the better part of maybe four to six months planning for the next Coachella. And even right now, we're, we're working on a few plans for what's happening in 2018. But, you know, come come December, we're in, in full-on Coachella mode, full-on Coachella planning mode. And decisions that are set in stone really are never set in stone. Things change even when you're on site. And that's part of the challenge is when you only have, for instance, for Coachella, when you only have 10 or 11 days to build a site of almost 700 acres, the pressure is on. And a lot of times, a fence crew might come in and fence in a compound, but you have some trailers, some 60-foot office trailers and some 40-foot shipping containers that need to get placed in there. But now your forklift can't get into that compound or the truck, the semi-truck that needs to place that trailer no longer has a clear access route in there. So it's like playing Tetris on the fly a lot of times. You have to think on your feet and it's it's really in many ways like being a contractor or having a construction supervision role because yeah, we'll spend, you know, me and my coworker Adam will spend, you know, the better part of like I said 6 months working on this drawing and everybody relies on this drawing for where, you know, where they're going to park, where they're going to catering, where, you know, pretty much where everything is, is in some ways laid out on our drawing. But if something changes last minute, you know, there's a reason for it. it and it, and it, a lot of times we, we get thrown curveballs and we just have to just smile and make it right. And it's a, it's definitely a challenge. And I, I would, I would recommend any architecture student, if you have a chance to work any other job besides architecture, I would say work First, first and foremost, work construction. Secondly, work production, because you're going to learn on your feet and you're going to deal with problems that you would probably never have a chance to solve or to, 
to experience while you're in school. With a festival like this that has never taken place on this site before, what are the first parts of the planning process that, that need to get addressed? What's, what are the most important elements of a festival planning well, since it's a music festival, I think noise is probably top on the list. And especially for this show, since we're in a community, a relatively affluent community who is, is used to peace and quiet, noise is definitely a concern. And I, I remember early on when I was working on the environmental impact report, placing the stages in, in certain orientations so that the sound, the direction the sound is being thrown in is not in the direction of any of the the microphones that are, are mounted all around the basin was was a was a big concern. Another one of the concerns is since we're since this is on a golf course, none of the topography is flat. It's very difficult to take a big piece of of artwork or any kind of of big piece of equipment carrying something large is going to have a really difficult time moving over this uneven topography and you can really easily drop and damage something. So it took a little bit longer. We had to definitely move a little bit slower. We had to touch the ground lightly, which is also a very common theme, I think, in in architecture, or at least modern architecture. So, you know, between noise, just the, the difficulties of working with the site, uh, traffic is also always a concern, especially because we are in a, a large metropolitan area. Obviously, when we're working on something like Coachella, it's a little bit out of the way, but you still have 120,000 people coming to a very small site. So traffic is also always a concern. I don't know. There's there's always things that come up that you never expect will, will be a problem. Like this was originally a landfill. In the early 1900s, this was a landfill. So when they started trying to dig some of the earth anchors to anchor some of these pieces down, they found that about two feet down, they had a really difficult time getting the earth anchors to go any further. And then below that, there's some coarse rock. So you, you always run into situations that you're not really expecting. Coachella and this event, a lot of the events that you're involved with with Golden Voice, incorporates an art and architecture component to that. How do you how do you resolve you know placement and styles of of these types of installations? I, I think with placement, the major concern is crowd flow. I think when you're developing a, tr- a traditional work of architecture, traditionally your your corridors or your circulation spaces are kind of what's left over outside of, of the rooms and the spaces that you design. And when you have something that's so wide open and spread out like a music festival, you have to think of installations and beer gardens and stages as having their... Each has their own critical distance, meaning they all have their own sphere of influence or, you know, depending on how far away from a stage you are, you might be able to hear the audio or you might not. Or depending on how far away from a, a beer garden or are you aren't, you might be enticed to, to go in there and, and have a couple drinks. So I, I think the way everything gets gets spread out in place is such that no matter where you are, you can you can turn around in any direction find something that you might want to go and see and experience. In, in terms of the actual architecture, in terms of styles and what the festivals look like, obviously with Coachella, one of the big themes is mid-century modern, you know, the kind of Palm Springs modern style that you see a lot of. But in terms of the actual components of what it takes to, to build a festival, the architecture itself is very primitive. 
you have tense, you have trust, you have a, a lot of a lot of slat wall. You know, we we prefabricate a lot of these. The pavilion we're in is is made out of a, a steel frame, and then it's all cladded with with slat wall. And the slat wall, as we were talking about a little bit yesterday, has had several different lives. We had a festival in October of last year, Desert Trip, and we built sixteen hundred panels of, of slat wall to clad this, this scaffolding system to make it look like a permanent structure. And we actually saved all of that. And some of the slat wall is used for the fence lines to separate beer gardens from kind of general patron areas. And some of it's also used to, to clad, of our, clad our installations or it's used to make facades for some sponsors. So the idea is that it's it, it very much reminds me of the whole kit of parts problem that I remember from undergraduate. Uh, which, as far as I understand, was introduced by Haydock in the 50s at the University of Texas. And I went to a sister school at the University of Texas. So the, the whole kit of parts idea that you can essentially take bits of truss and, and decks, stage decks, which are just four feet by eight feet and reinforced with aluminum supports and held up on pipe legs. The idea that you can basically take the system and expand it to, to any level of complexity that you want I think is an idea that that I remember working with. I remember developing projects all all about that that idea that you can take one system and and adapt it to the many different applications. And I and I think that's really that's really obvious after working in, in festivals for a while that it it really is a project that has multiple lives. It's not just one static thing. You think of a festival as lasting just a weekend and it's done, but in reality, a, a lot of a lot of these components, a lot of the pieces, have seen many shows. So there's obviously financial and efficiency incentives for reusing material like that. Do you at Golden Voice with these festivals? Are there certain environmental sensitivity issues that you address when building out these events? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, one aspect of of being able to reuse all of this material is that we're not we're not buying brand new wood every single time we want to put in a dance floor for instance so for instance at, at Coachella we have a really popular tent that's called the Yuma tent and we every single year we build a plywood floor and what we end up doing is we strip up the plywood and we'll end up building these entrance portals these archways or entrances for beer gardens with the plywood that was the dance floor so you know there's some there's some aspects of sustainability that, that we consider. We also divert a lot of our food waste to compost. I think it's almost 30,000 pounds this past year. Number might be a little inflated, but that's the number I remember. I remember speaking to our one of our festival operations managers, and that was that was the number that he threw out at me. Uh, so we're also we try to be as cognizant as we can of, of the resources that we use. But you know, if you have basically a completely a site that has no infrastructure, you know, permanent power, very few permanent restrooms. You you really don't have the ability to to have any kind of permanent structures there. It's it's just by that very nature, you're not going to be very sustainable. So we do our best with what we can, but it's not really a a setting where being environmentally conscious is the the most topical. It's 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 really difficult to to bring that many people to a site like that and and operate net zero, for instance. So considering how many hats you wear in, in, this, in this job that you have at Golden Voice and the, uh, the different skills that you've picked up along the way, has this 
changed your focus for your future career path once you kind of move on and, and on to the next step? Absolutely. I, I think one of the one of the more influential changes or, or somebody I would say that maybe I've learned about since I've started working in, in the festival world is Mark Fisher. And not a lot of people will be familiar with his work, but he was he was one of the original production designers for Pink Floyd, for Rolling Stones. Uh, he also designed U2's infamous 360 tour with the claw. Uh, he, he also designed the Ka Theater at the MGM Grand, Cirque du Soleil. And he was a student at the AA in the 60s and you know, was influenced by some of the guys that founded Archigram. And I, I really see a lot of, of similarities between some of the ideas that were coming out of the modernist movement in the 60s about this kind of this kid apart strategy, this, this you know, the instant city or plug in city. I mean, I, I think that's really what, what festivals are kind of a contemporary manifestation of. And, you know, one, one of the quotes that I'm really fond of from Mark Fisher is my work combines blue collar technology, semi trucks, cranes, steel erectors, popular culture, sex appeal, clearly legible signage, all for unemployable intellectuals. It's like having twice the fun with half the responsibility. So, and that's not to make any any light of, of what we actually do, because it is actually hard, hard work. It's serious work. But it's maybe to just look at the fact that architecture is such a, a, a broad world. There is so much potential to to make an impact in the world, whether that's building traditionally, building traditional projects, or whether that's creating architectural spectacle. And I think that the fact is that we live in this kind of pluralistic society where not any one path is right. So you're able to go along these these kind of non-traditional paths throughout your career, and you can eventually end up with something that's that's meaningful. I, I mean, I... I grew up playing music. I grew up playing cello, playing guitar. Was always that kid that was seeking out new bands and trying to find, just trying to find artists, other other people that were kind of pushing the limits from from what my background was. And so, being able to bring that full circle and and work in a festival setting while also being able to bring my skills and expertise from my background studying architecture is is really incredible. And I would encourage anybody that has a, a passion for music to try to get involved in production, try to try to experiment, try to mess around. It's not it's not outside the realms of possibilities. Whatever whatever interest you have, you know, do your best to, to kind of marry that with whatever your profession is. And I and I think you you'll always be happy with what you do. Very good point. So I assume that you that you do enjoy attending these festivals in addition to working working with them. Yeah, I do. Actually, this is one of the few shows that that we put on that I am actually having a chance to enjoy. What's your favorite festival that you've that you've been to so far? Favorite festival I've been to so far. Actually, Desert Trip was fantastic. Not only for the fact that I was involved very early on in in the planning process and it was still very much a secret show at that point and I watched it go from basically nothing to what it became. And that was that was special. It was definitely definitely the, the capstone on an era of music, and just just seeing people's reactions. I, you know, I think that's one of the not to get off on a tangent, but you know, going to architecture school, you know, a lot of times you'll make these renderings or make these drawings, and you'll 
Photoshop in some silhouettes of people that you think might be in your in your space whenever it actually gets built. And it's kind of a it's kind of a contentious point with some architects because they think that those renderings are, are kind of fake or they're they're leading people on. And in many ways, it's it's super rewarding to be in this this festival setting and see actual people, see people enjoying the spaces that you you've spent time thinking of and dreaming up so no you know nobody likes to see an empty baseball stadium like i don't really get excited going into seeing an empty baseball stadium but when everybody's there watching the game and really in the moment there's that that kind of that energy and i think things like festivals sporting events and other large-scale events are are really are are ripe for a lot of experimentation And, and i think that that architects Architects can learn from from festivals in some ways, maybe not in ways that would directly apply to their work, but you know, working with experts like lighting designers, or you know, trying to incorporate video or media into their projects, and also festivals are really just large, large scale urban design projects. So really, mining them as a laboratory for these ideas is is I think a great idea. Well, thanks so much for sharing that perspective. This really. Uh quite an enlightening uh, insight into what goes on behind festivals and it's uh, surprisingly relevant to architects thanks so much thank you for having me thanks for listening to this mini session for more information about this show and other shows from this series check out arconnect.com i'd like to thank all of our guests especially jimenez lai and joanna grant of bureau spectacular for creating the beautiful structure for this event I'd also like to express our gratitude to Golden Voice, especially Rafi Lair, for encouraging a public discussion about architecture and urban design and for including us in this amazing inaugural event.